they say that like if you plant a seed for bamboo, you have to water it and give it sunlight every single day for five years and it does not sprout for the first five years. So even after two years, people are like, hey, dude, I think it's time to give up. And if you keep hammering at it and you keep putting effort into it, once bamboo sprouts, it is like the fastest growing plant. Like you cannot keep it under wraps. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same thing with finding finding your dream job. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you would like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the Patreon page for the podcast at patreon.com slash half hour intern on to today's episode in it i interview sarah plovenich who is a buyer and uh not just any buyer she is a buyer for the hammocker schlemmer catalog which is a mouthful and such a funny name and the reason possibly why it has such a funny name is that it is a 167 year old catalog so they have sold stuff to the queen of england they sold stuff to alfred hitchcock like the list goes on and on and on of, of famous people throughout history that have bought things from this catalog but anyways yeah this company has been around for 167 years which is just like mind-numbing to think about what types of things they must have had in this catalog over the years especially because part of the allure of the catalog is having um um, kind of like one-of-a-kind things that you would not find anywhere else. So as part of her duty of being a buyer for the catalog, it is Sarah's job to find these one-of-a-kind items that people would not find anywhere else. So Sarah basically has the coolest job ever. She gets to travel the world in search of really interesting items and meets with people. Sometimes she just has weeks to go out um, shopping and stuff like that. Uh, other times she will take invention submissions that people send in to Helmacher Schlemmer and look through them and see what sort of cool inventions that maybe they could uh, you know, purchase the rights on and start making. And she helps name the products. She helps set the price. Like you, She gets to wear many, many hats and does so many cool things as part of this buyer role. So um, I think you guys will really like the episode. Without further ado, here is Catalog Buyer. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Blake. Yeah, I I told you this like right when you picked up the Skype phone call. Like I am so excited to do this interview, Sarah. Like I am more excited to do this interview than I've been to do any interview in so long. And uh, I feel like you have one of the coolest jobs that I've ever ever like interviewed for. And it's so funny when you wrote me about it. You're like, oh, I work for Hamacher Schlemmer, which is this like 175 year old company or whatever it is. And it's really funny, like, you know, saying like this 175 year old company, because I feel like just the name Hamacher Schlemmer, like, you don't have to say that. Like, everyone just, know, like, that sounds super old. Like, there is no marketing department at a company right now. Like, hmm, what should we name our company that's going to make people like want to shop? Oh, I know. Hamacher Schlemmer. Like, that's, that's like one that just rolls off the tongue. That's yeah. such like an old, old sounding company name. I love it. Totally, totally. It's funny. People either when they hear Hamaker Schlemmer, they're like, oh, my God, how the Hamaker Schlemmer or they're like, what are you ta talking about? There is really no gray space uh, at all. And even now, even my dad is like, my daughter works at that uh, 
Uh, ham slammers. Uh. <laughs> you know, the old ham slammer? She works the ham slammer. It's funny That's because I, I am in that sort of gray space. And I think that my wife was as well um, because I told her about this interview. And I was like, like, I know I've heard of that, but I don't really know where. And maybe I'm just making it up. I feel like it gets mentioned in like a movie like A Christmas Story or like, you know, some totally. movie where it's like a, t- a period piece of like, you know, the 50s or something like that. And it's like, I know I've heard that before and I just have no idea where. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, a lot of people know us through Sky Mall. We had a partnership with Sky Mall when uh, they were on the back of every single airplane seat. So uh, that was that was definitely like uh, big for exposure. And then I'll have friends that will call me and they're like, I just watched this Audrey Hepburn movie. And they were talking about uh, <laughs> buying gloves at Hamaker Schlemmer or like Alfred Hitchcock just mentioned you uh, in a movie or a lot of times like they'll be kind of subtle, crazy uh, plug in so the, like the onion mentioned us at the end of an article or uh, Malcolm in the middle um, so there's we are like kind of woven through the thread of American consumership <laughs> yeah, I guess totally. and I think I think sometimes it's like also I guess when David Letterman was on and a lot of those New York uh, night shows um, you know there's only one Hamaker Schlemmer it's only in New York it's a really funny name Um and it's this sort of special place. So I think a lot of the time, uh, you know, they would come to us to look for product. And we also have a lot of really crazy products. So yeah. um, I think that's I think that's probably how people how people know us. OK, so, Sarah, you are 31 years old. Yes. What is the average age of the customers that are buying things from Hamaker Schlemmer? Um, throughout the year, the average age is like 55. Um, so when, when Christmas seasons, when Christmas season comes, things change, you know, it's like, uh, the demographics are totally skewed. Um, we our typical customer is like between, yeah, 55, uh, 55 to 60. And then when Christmas comes, the age goes all over the place. So a lot of the time people know Hamaker because we're like a heritage company. So they'll say like, oh, my grandpa always bought gifts from Hamaker Schlemmer. And my dad always bought gifts from Hamaker Schlemmer. So then the son buys gifts from Hamaker Schlemmer because they want to continue this special tradition. So um, Q4, everyone is buying. We actually, we're one of the few catalogs that we actually have more men that shop with us than women. And then, uh, come the holidays, it's like women outweigh men with shopping. It's, you know, kind of all bets are off. Yeah, which makes sense. Probably similar to a Sky Mall. Uh, I mean, I know nothing about Sky Mall, but it's like, you know, they have so many like electronics and stuff like that in there. So it makes sense that like a lot of men would want to be buying those things. Totally. And then also it's like women are like, oh, I know my my husband loves uh, this catalog or I know my son. I don't know. My son is into like fine, fine goods. And uh, this seems to be a good spot, you know, to go to uh, like a good a goodwill to sort uh, for gifts. Yeah, for sure. So is it still mostly a mail order catalog? Like, how are you guys getting the majority of your orders? So we should say that. So a 175-year-old company was a mail order catalog. At what point did you guys start branching out onto the internet? Um, And like, do you still get a lot of just straight up mail order business? Yeah. So we still send out, I mean, we send out over 50 million catalogs a year. So uh, print catalog is still the bread and butter of our, of our biz, but it's more at this point, uh, the catalog, you know, people look through it and they dog ear the pages. Like after dinner, they sit on the couch and drink some 
tea and flip through the Hummaker catalog, or I don't know, they probably sit on the toilet and, you know, flip through the Hummaker catalog and dog ear the pages of stuff that they want. Uh, and then they actually go on the web and that's their transaction portal. Yeah. So uh, we have a lot of, you know, we'll see a huge uptick uh, when we send the catalog that uh, those are the items that sell. But then when you go online, we have some other items that are only featured on the web. And people, people kind of, end, you know, it's like Wikipedia. Once you get on, then you click on one thing, then you click on another thing, and then you click on another thing. And uh, you went on because you wanted to read about like a two million, $2 million personal submarine. And then the next thing you know, you have like three nose hair trimmers in your cart. And, <laughs> and, and uh, you're taking out a bank loan for a submarine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we're still pretty heavy in the catalog, but um but we've got an app and we've got the web. Uh, things started moving around, I don't know, like the mid 2000s when when most of our orders started shifting online. Yeah. What was, you mentioned um, like, you know, Audrey Hepburn and Alfred Hitchcock and stuff like that. What was like the golden age of your company? I mean, it, you guys have been around for so, so long. Is it like, oh man, in the 1870s, we had it on lockdown, (laughs) like everyone was just loving us. Or was it like in the 1930s? Like what was like the time for Hamacher Schlemmer? So that's a funny question. Um, I feel like Hamacher is sort of like gold plated. You know, we have like lots of layers of golden ages of the catalog. So um, it's a very corporate answer, Sarah. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Is it? I feel like I'm like the least corporate person in corporate America. Uh, Yeah, like a lot of our vendors. Yeah, good. A lot of our vendors, they come and they're like, you, you work here you with the nose (laughs) piercing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I work here. Yeah. Uh, Let's just talk. Let's talk some piss. Um, But yeah, like when we first started, uh, when Hamaker first opened, it was 1848. So I guess that makes us 168 years old um, for the people keeping track at home. So when we first opened, it was like a white glove service um, hardware store. So it was like the only hardware store that you walk into. And it was like walking in to buy jewelry. They have like literally white gloves and like would take out velvet trays and put screw or a nail or like whatever whatever you're buying um i mean i don't really know the demographics of the 1860s but i'm gonna be real with you that sounds like the worst business idea i've ever heard of in my entire life like like what kind of hardware dude is like yeah i need some nails and then like somebody comes up with like white gloves and like has like a nail in a box and they're just like what like what are you doing right now like i'm not paying extra for the nail in the box like come on yeah, right. Well, I think things I obviously I wasn't around uh wasn't around for that, but whoever had the idea, uh Hamaker and then Schlemmer, um they yeah, it worked. I mean, they also it was like at a time when um cars started becoming more popular and um boats and a whole bunch of stuff that it was they were actually hard to find that you couldn't find at your local hardware store, so they did have some really obscure things. Um, so that's, uh, that's where a lot of that came about. And then also, you know, when you go into a hardware store, I mean, when I, when I go into a hardware store, I'm like, I don't, I don't know where things are. I don't know. Um, I don't know how to find whatever socket type thing or where people, like, I don't know what the logic is and how you lay out the store. So you would walk in and like someone would greet you and like basically take your shopping list and like bring you everything that you could want. It was that's like, what's up? Yeah, next level customer service. So, um, so so there was that, and then, um, and then in eighteen ninety six, things 
took a drastic change and we were the first store in the United States to ever have electric lights in the store. So um, they're, they're like, they're the tech junkies of the 1800s, <laughs> people that started Hamaker Schlemmer. So, um, so 1896, you know, basically you're walking into stores and there were no electric lights. You walk into Hamaker Schlemmer and you're like, what is this? What kind of witchcraft is even taking place right now? <laughs> Yeah, this is luxury if I've ever seen luxury. Um, and then, I don't know. We, I mean, we have this like crazy crest, like press packet of like nutso things that have happened. So like in 1916, Tsar Nicholas came in and bought one of every single item that was in our store because he was uh, anticipating the Bolshevik re- revolution. So he's like, where should I go? Oh, Hamaker Schlemmer. So he's like. Buy one of everything. Send my people. Make it happen. Um, so there's like there are a whole bunch of things like that. Uh, you know, in the 1920s, things obviously were good. Even when I came to Hamaker, I was a little bit nervous. I thought like this is sort of an old company, and you know, like being a younger person with a lot of uh, interests and sort of a diverse background, I feel like when you go into a job interview, um, you know, they're asking all these questions. Where do you see yourself in five years? And um, for me. I feel like, you know, I had the option to go a lot of places. Uh, and when I went to Helmaker, they're asking me, oh, do you have any questions? And I was, I, in some ways, I was concerned, like, with Helmaker, uh, like, what is the longevity of this catalog really old business? So I, like, turned the whole thing back on them. And I said, like, where where do you see Helmaker in 10 years? Like, where do you see, like, is this a place that I want to uh settle in for a while and what was the answer to that because i wanted to ask you about what your company's done to try to modernize and stuff like that and what the next few years looks like so what i guess it was their answer and what is kind of your answer now having worked for the company yeah so they um they came back to me and they said uh they said in the 1920s uh, that people were writing articles about hamaker schlemmer saying like we don't know how long this place can stick around their customer is old and uh their model is old and this is getting outdated so uh you know we see like an expiration date on this company uh that was in the 1920s and there have probably been like i don't know five articles like that since uh if not more that we just haven't seen and it's one of those things where it's like even though uh, you think like, okay, so our customer base right now is 55. So probably your average customer in 10 years is going to be 65, but it's actually not really even evening out like that. Um, our customer base is staying pretty steady, if not getting a little bit younger, which is kind of awesome. Um, and then as far as like, as far as modernizing goes, um, I mean, sort of the nature of our, uh, the nature of our product helps keep us modern. So, you know, Hamaker is like this huge pendulum swing. We're looking at like really old, like authentic, genuine, you know, stuff that has been made since the 1800s. And then we're also looking for the latest technology. Um, so like the nature of the product keeps us, keeps us pretty modern. So like at the time, um, I mean, we have like this wall of like Hamaker first introductions. So we like laugh when we look at it now, but we were like the first store to ever sell um, an electric steam iron. And like at the time, people were like, what the? Like, <laughs> no one needs an electric steam iron. This is so frivolous. Yeah. Uh, and now we're like, what? Like, it costs fourteen ninety five. you know, in like any Target store. Yeah, or, for sure. Hotels just um, have them in every room. Totally, totally. So, um, we are, I mean, we're pretty much constantly like 
pushing the limit as far as um, as far as finding product. And we're also not really that scared to put in products that seem a little bit crazy uh, at the time because we know that there's, you know, there is like a longevity to it. You know, when you uh, we, we have, of course, like our product line that is like the bread and butter. But then we also uh, keep space for just finding cool products that we don't know how much they're going to sell. But we're that excited about it that we want to share them with people. So we actually a lot spots in the catalog for those items. And I feel like that um, that is part of the reason that we stay around. It's just to check it out. Yeah. Like so. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you about later, but I'll just ask right now is I feel like back in the day, um, it, people did not have that many options of where yeah. they could go to like find cool things. You know, it's probably like, oh, you got your Hamacher Schlemmer mail order <laughs> catalog or you ain't got shit. You know, yeah. like that's like what you got if you want to try to find new things. Now with the Internet, like people could literally go anywhere to find anything at any time if they want for sure. But I feel like the shift for you or like the new role that that you guys can take, which I feel like makes your job at the company so much more important is that you guys are more of like a tastemaker. So it's like people trust your brand and they trust mm-hmm. you. So it's like, okay, well, I know that I could spend hours looking for cool presents for Christmas for people or whatever, just, you know, sorting through top rated things on Amazon or sorting through this or that or whatever. But if I go to the Hamacher Schlemmer catalog, I trust that, that they have these buyers there, that they have these like tastemakers, that they are going to pick out things that are cool, that they are going to pick out things that I like. Um, and it can just be like a one-stop shop. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a lot of that. And then, I mean, there are tons of blogs out there like, ah, this is the coolest new thing. This is the coolest new thing. Uh, but in some ways, I mean, we have a lot, we have a lot more invested in it at Hamaker, uh, just because we, you know, we're buying stock in all of these items and we're also offering like a lifetime warranty on every single one of our products. So we, are like meticulous with testing every single product that we put in the catalog. So uh, we are, we are certainly like looking at all the tastemakers uh, out there blogs, you know, in addition to checking out our own, uh, our own product selection. But uh, because we have basically like a massive financial investment in every single item. So even if our, you know, if you buy an item from, you know, Amazon or whatever, and um, it'll say like 90 day warranty, um, if we truly believe in this item, you know, we will meticulously test it and we will give you a lifetime warranty on all of those uh on all of those items so that's sort of the sort of some of the difference uh between like blogging tastemakers and then tastemaker mixed in with hallmarker you know yeah for sure so sarah let's talk about you a little bit you have to tell me how you got your job because your job sounds so awesome you get to like go all over the place, try to find new products. You like get these invention submissions and try to decide like what's going to make it and what's not. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But like, how do you get such an awesome job? Like so many people love shopping online for a living and trying to find like new cool things, but they don't get paid for it. It's just like what they do in their free time. How did you get this job? Um, I have probably like the, one of the weirder stories about, uh, becoming a buyer. So there's not really like, um, like a formulaic route that you can take, you know, there's not like first you're a junior person and then you're this and then you're that. Um, and you study this in college. There's there, you know, there have 
there are some colleges that offer like merchandising degrees, but they're super rare. Um, my background is in drawing and painting and then in international business. So sort of one left brain, one right brain. Um, I just knew like I never wanted to work in a corporate office ever. Um, which you would think, why would you study international business if you don't want to work in a corporate office? But uh, I was really into like global business communications and like, you know, cross-cultural things. So um, when I graduated college, I thought, yeah, I don't want to work uh, in an office. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But one of my friends was working for this French boutique and she said, oh, you should check it out. I know you're into French things. Uh, I think you'll like my boss. Like maybe you can find a gift. I, I was dating this guy who lived for a little while uh, in France. So uh, she said, maybe you'll find some gifts for him. So whatever, Ch check out the store. So I went to check out the store and uh, I like made friends with the owner. And then eventually she said, oh, do you do you want to work here? Um, we realized that we have no one that is going to be in the store the day after Thanksgiving. And that is like the biggest shopping day of the year. So, um, maybe you can come in. And at that time I thought, Oh, I still don't know what I want to do. So sure. I'll work in a really beautiful shop surrounded by really beautiful things. And, um, I started working there. We had a mix of like vintage antique and new products. And, um, we would go to estate sales and buy things and flip them. And the owner of the store, she said, you know, there's a really good estate sale. Uh, you know, we're going through things, pictures online, um, that is, uh, close to your house. And I really don't feel like waking up because we didn't live all that close to one another. Would you, would you want to go for me? And so I thought, sure, I'll wake up early. I like went to this estate sale. I bought a whole bunch of stuff, uh, and brought it back. And I was like, uh, puppy with my tail between my legs and I'm like showing her um this like giant Xerox box and I said like if you don't like anything it's okay I use all of my own money and I'll keep it and I was <laughs> like, super super nervous so as I'm like pulling things out of the box uh people are coming into the store and I mean it's, a lot of it was like the right people at the right time and the right everything so it's like that, um, that point in the movie where like where you're super nervous and she looks at you and she's like yeah. but it's like a pop and she shakes her head and she's like, Sarah, I'm going to be real with you. And then it's like big pause. And she's like, this is the best damn stuff I've ever seen. And you're like, ah, oh, yes. <sighs> Fuck, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So it was pretty much. <laughs> you can like... say whatever you want. It's all okay. right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, people were coming in and they're like, you know, they're seeing me pull things out of a box. And a lot of it is like the mindset of the people that were coming in. They're saying like, uh, at least I'm like adding the, you know, the track inside of their head. Like, this is basically they have like the first pick uh the they are seeing everything for the first time they have a pick before anyone else has it basically before the store store owner has it they're seeing everything at like kind of the ground level so a lot of that is exciting you know they feel like they have cream of the crop so basically like while i was pulling stuff out of the box uh people say like how much is that i want that so we're like pulling the masking tape price tags off of everything you know while i'm showing it to the lady who owns this owns the store and we pretty much sold everything in the box within a couple of hours um, for a pretty uh, healthy awesome. profit. So it was one of those things where I was like, okay, that, okay, that worked. Uh, so let's try this again. And I had good luck again and again and again. And then we're like, okay, well, we want products that are different from everyone else's. So what do we have to do? We need to travel further than everyone else. So we started going to the Paris flea markets to, to buy items to sell in the store. And while I was in the Paris flea markets, I would see other buyers 
including like buyers from restoration hardware. And, um, I was always really, really jealous. So, um, we were like the big dorks at the Paris flea markets with like calculators and tape measures and like trying to figure out how much is this going to cost to ship back and how much is this going to cost, um, you know, to redo the glass or like we did have an onion soup with lunch. So we do have to like, we have to add that into the cost and we have to pay for this trip. And then I would see other corporate buyers and I was so jealous because they would say like, I want that, 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 that they're just like pointing at everything. I got into a bidding bidding war um, for a dental cart. And I was just like, what, what am I even trying? Like, I know that I'm buying one thing and I'm selling this one thing to one person. Um, and the corporate buyers, you know, a lot of the time, especially places where people are reproducing things, you know, they ship back an entire container. So I want that, 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 put it all in the container. We're going to bring it back to the U.S. and then make 600 of them. So, you know, if they pay a little bit extra, it's not that big of a deal. Right. So, um, yeah, so I thought I want to get into corporate buying, um, but I came back. Uh, I came back to the states. Um, I left the company, the French boutique that I was buying for, to go on an archaeological dig, and I don't know, like kiss a whole bunch of frogs around the <laughs> around the world. And when I came back, they said, "Oh, do you want to do product development for us?" Because again, you know, in a small shop, you're always trying to figure out um, how you can get products that are different from people that are right there. How are you going to find products that are different than Amazon when they have two day shipping? You can get pretty much everything for a good price. You know, you, everyone wants to find more unique products. So we started developing our own products and, um, I had pretty good success there. Uh, it was, you know, a small shop when there's a small amount of people that work there, they entrust you to do a lot more things. So you wear a lot more hats and, uh, it was huge for me because I got exposed to a lot, a lot of stuff. So I had like my own line of candles and, um, my own line of umbrellas and, um, all the stuff, you know, that it was like working with a candle manufacturer, working with a box maker, working with this person to develop like the perfect candle. Um, but again, it's one store waiting for one person to come in and it's, you know, it's super precious and a very sweet situation, but, um, all projects are on hold until we make up the cost of doing one thing. And that is like dependent on what the weather was like to make sure that enough people came into the store to be exposed to this and, and buy it. So, um, yeah. So then I applied for a job online, um, for a corporate buying job for a catalog that was um, not all that similar to my own personal taste, but it was one of those things. Like I had this really weird, like base cover letter that was written, and uh, in it, it was like I am a master plate spinner and blah blah blah, and I do all these other things. And I would change it to whatever job you know I was applying to. But one job they said we're looking for a master master plate spinner, and I thought, whoa, is this? <laughs> It's going to be an easy edit. So yeah. I basically sent them the thing and they thought, oh, wow, someone actually read our job posting. <laughs> uh, and then I went in for the interview. I um, got the job. The product selection was like super different. So it was like um, the farting alarm clock. Fart your morning off right with the farting alarm clock. And oh, dude, like, fart your morning <laughs> off right. Oh, yeah. Who thought Great of that? Co- 
great copywriter. That's that's for sure. Um, like a whole bunch of stuff, like um, the smell my nuts candle, which is the banana nut bread, coconut, and hazelnut. And I thought, like, oh god, was this a catalog as well, or what it was is, it? Yeah, it was a catalog. And um, I mean, it was the only job that I ever cried at. Which I was like, what? I just traded a life filled with beautiful French antiques for this. Yeah. Is this was was this how it's supposed to go? Um, but you know, I think there's like a a Frank Sinatra song, New York. It was like, if I can, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. Uh, so I like tried my darndest and I had a good success rate, uh, at that catalog. And I was just like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. And Hamaker at that time, they had actually pulled in two other buyers from the same catalog and they were both successful in Hamaker. So it's a small, it's a small industry, you know, word gets around and, and they called me a couple of times and finally I was just like, oh, God, I got to get out of the woodland booty toilet paper holder and the redneck plunger <laughs> life. And uh, and I went over there for an interview and and it was a success. So that's <laughs> sort of the long story of how I got to Hamaker. I love it. Good story. Yeah. Um, so please tell us all of your job responsibilities at Hamaker Schlemmer. Uh, I briefly went over a couple of them. Just tell us more about what you do there. Yeah. So, uh, every day is sort of different. Um, as far as like, yeah, what I do, it's, you know, finding, finding project or finding products. So scouring, looking for products, something that I think could be interesting. Um, like finding, trying to find the maker or the brand or the contact person who can put me in touch with like, you know, logistics of carrying that product. Um, try to get a sample, getting to know the product. So, um, once you get the item, I mean, we test everything like pretty seriously, um, so that I can present it. Then I negotiate all the contracts. Uh, I decide on a basic name, the image, um, I decide on the price. I decide on the why. That that's is a question. incredible. I didn't realize those things too. That's, that's so weird that it's not different people that do those things. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I present it because basically I need to show uh, the customer and I need to show management like what excites me about this. So that's why it's so important that, um, you know, if I, I find something super cool and I want to feature like this one benefit of a chair, um, but someone else is deciding the name, sometimes it gets watered down like the excitement of the chair. So, yeah, so decide the name the image, so kind of how I want it to be featured, the price, um, why, which is a question that we ask all the time. Why? Why does the customer care? Why would the customer write into this catalog? Uh, why would the customer wait uh, for seven days or however long it takes to ship in the mail? Why, 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 why? Uh, and then I present the product to a team of people. I work with a copy team, a copywriting team, and they, they do all the um, serious copywriting. And then I work with the creative team so that they can photograph the item so that it looks exactly the same way that, uh, I envisioned it. And then, uh, once the item goes in, it's, I mean, everything. So I work with them on with, I work with the manufacturer on like, make sure the label is on, make sure that this is shipped on time. Um, make sure that enough stock is coming in. You know, I, I, take a look at like inventory levels. Um, we have an inventory team that is doing most of the planning, but, um, you know, each of these items, they're like our babies. So, uh, we want to make sure that they have everything that they need. So we look 
at everything. So something that I was really surprised about when I was looking um, at the website and reminds me very much of Sky Mall is that there are, but even more so than Sky Mall, like there's like no brand names. And yeah. and moreover, like there's not even product names, which is so funny. Like, and I was going to ask you like who comes up with these names and that's so great that the person that finds them comes up with them. Um, and so it'll be something like here, I'll, I've got the website up right yeah. now. Uh, like the sound sensing water whirlwind speaker, <laughs> uh, the live feed video drone, the six hour portable DVD player. And it's like, it's not like, oh, the Sony portable DVD. It's the six hour, po-, you know, like, yeah. and, uh, and then when you click on it, it still doesn't say who it is. Obviously you guys are getting these things made by like, whatever companies like depending on the product like i'm i mean i'm looking at a camera here that i completely recognize that i bought my wife a few years ago Mm -hmm. uh like the actual name brand of the camera um how does that work with like is that a lot of the things you guys get it's like bigger name brand things and then you you just have to like work with the company like hey we're going to completely take your name off of it you need to make us these versions of it without your name and i'm just going to call it the camera i'm not going to call it you know your camera yeah i mean so we we have a mix of you know we work with some really small companies and then we work with bose and we work with panasonic and we work with some pretty big companies too um i mean the at the base of all of homaker product or all of homaker's collection is the is the product so you know i mentioned why 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 so a lot of the title is the, the why um so why should we put this in the catalog? This or why like why should you buy this DVD player over another DVD player? Well, this one plays for six hours on one battery. Or um, why should you put in this speaker? Like or why should you buy these speakers? You know uh, because it does this and this and this that not other speak like that no other speaker does. Yeah, it's like the most um, descriptive titles in the world. Yeah, it's uh, some of some of our vendors like it and some of them don't. I mean, we never try to conceal it. So if if the customer buys the camera from us and they receive it in the mail, it'll still say, you know, whatever, like Canon or Nikon or whoever buys it. You know, we certainly we are not trying to conceal that, but we basically have chosen all of the products based on what makes them unique or what makes them different. So that is like where the that is where the title comes from. And then when you go through the copy, um even then we are like we are kind of weirdos in in the retail market you know we never actually try to sell our products so um basically like most of our most of our customers um they are like the decision makers in their own life you know they're professionals they're doctors or lawyers or like the head of their household um they don't want anyone telling them what to do so the copy that we have written is like um this is the speaker that puts out this many decibels and it lasts for this many hours and this and this. We give them basically all of the factual information. It's like the NPR unbiased like information, you know, based on the product. And then we let them like gather that information. And if this is still something that you're interested in, then buy the product. Yeah. Um, for us, this works. You know, if some of our vendors are like, what? Uh, this uh, you know, we want our name on it. And we say like, you know, we sell both speakers just on the benefit. Like it's not about the brand name. It's not about like buying into the catalog. It's about like, this is a super awesome product. This is why you should have it. And, and that's it. So. Which, yeah, I mean, you obviously have to be working with really good brands if you're giving a lifetime warranty on everything. 
Yeah, yeah. Either that or we are testing everything like ad nauseum. But for the most part, you know, the lifetime warranty doesn't really... Uh, it's 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 beneficial for us. You know, sometimes people wonder, like, yeah, do people take advantage of that? Uh, I mean, we had a guy that called because he bought um, like six thousand dollars worth of copper pots in early ni- 1970. And he called Hamaker and was like, yeah, so my copper pots, um, they like have a patina on them. So if you don't send someone out to polish them, I'm just going to return them. I had the receipt and we're like, OK, we will send someone out to polish them because they will still be covered under our lifetime warranty on uh, that, you know, that we offer. It's a it's a little bit silly, but it's really about the customer service. Um, you know, it kind of gets uh, brought back to when we first started this crazy customer service for our <laughs> for a hardware store. That is totally incredible. I can't believe that story. Yeah. Yeah, and we yeah we're probably the only people ever that <laughs> sent some uh, would send someone out to polish your copper pots for but. sure. Because I mean, most people's warranties are like in the event that the product breaks and like no longer works anymore. For the product to yeah, for a, a pot to get a patina on it is I mean, come on, dude. It's it's like yeah, natural. But we um, I think like maybe one month ago we had this guy that called because he bought uh, like a robotic vacuum from us and um, it his post went viral on Facebook. So basically like he bought a robotic vacuum from us and he said like every night between like one and 2 AM, the robotic vacuum would go like clean the house and whatever. Apparently they, their dog got sick in the middle of the night and right before the robotic vacuum went off and, and the robotic vacuum basically dragged dog doo doo like found it and then like dragged it all over the house because he's like <laughs> trying to clean up. It's like mess, mess, yeah. mess, mess, mess. So, um, he had made this really hilarious post and he like tried cleaning it. And then he realized like this $500 vacuum is no longer working. So he was like trying to find refurbished ones. And then he's like, uh, I'm just going to call a and see. And so he told us basically, well, he told us what happened and we're like, Hey, no problem. You don't have to send it back to us. We really don't want your your, um, your, your vacuum. vacuum. Yep, you could toss that, uh, but we will send you a new one that's covered in your lifetime warranty. So it's it's sort of goofy, but yeah, that's really cool. That's awesome. Um, so I would love to talk more about the products and yes. like you picking them and stuff like that. So one of the things that you have to do is, uh, go through like inventions, like actual inventors and we'll submit a product. Like I want my product to be in your catalog. So what is it that you specifically, Sarah are looking for when someone submits an invention to you? Um, like, do you have a little internal checklist you go over? Yeah, I guess it's, I mean, there's sort of a checklist where it's not so, you know, hard as in like, must have this, must have this price point, must have this quantity or whatever. Um, basically, um, we put on two hats whenever we get any offer and there's definitely an order to them. Um, so first and foremost, you know, we look at every item like a customer would, you know, then we think about we think about the offer like a business. So, you know, basically the same way that you would look at an item, if you're flipping through a magazine or flipping, you know, through the internet, you look at an item and you think like, Oh, what is it? What does it do? Is this worth my money? I mean, we do the, basically the same thing. So we say like, does this solve a problem? Does it improve life in some way? Uh, and then like, is this the best option out there? So meaning like 
is there already something else that's like this on the market Does, that's already solving the same problem? Is that better? Maybe is that thing more convenient? Um, so basically we have to, you know, vent all of that out. And then is this worth the price? So if it isn't worth the price, it, then the other two things, they don't really matter. So even if it is solving a problem and it's the best option out there, if it's super expensive and it's not feasible, unfortunately, you know, we sort of have to drop it there. And then after that, you know, we'll kind of go through some more like shark tank style questions. So like, who are your customers? What are the profit margins? Uh, how long have you been around? Who else is selling this? Like, you know, kind of non-sexy things like, uh, what are your order requirements? So meaning like, uh, how many do you have to buy? Um, uh, usually like the first order for anything, we usually try to test it and it's the same with any other retailer. So, um, basically any item that is going to a new company or a new store or whatever, uh, usually you will place a small order just because you don't want to end up like if something doesn't work, you usually want to put place a small order and then kind of dip your toes into the market. If your customers respond to it, then you place a follow-up order. But, um, I guess that's sort of the checklist that we would go through in our heads. Yeah. How do you guys analyze market trends? Do you guys have certain tools that you use? Um, do you guys have like particular like sets of data that like you really highly value when you're trying to determine like where a marketplace is going? Yeah, I mean the I mean we're after 168 years of business, we have a lot of catalogs that have gone out, which means a lot a lot of sales data and internal spreadsheets. Um, so we. We, of course, uh, lean heavy on that. Um, a lot of times vendors will come to us and they'll say like, hey, this is like the hottest thing on the market. This is what's going. And sometimes we'll we'll listen to that and we'll put things in and it's not always the case for our customer. But um, we certainly lean heavy on our own internal um, you know, sales data. And then we look at everything. So um, we read everything. Uh, I mean, particularly when it comes to like the, when it comes to looking for products, uh, I read everything like newspaper articles, viral social media posts. I'll look through like historic walking tour brochures, um, other people's catalogs. Like you have no idea where a seed could be planted. So you pretty much have to look everywhere. And part of that is like the more information that you consume, um, the better you can digest and the better you can filter. But as far as like you know where where trends are going, um, a lot of it is internal data, and then uh, a lot of it is like making connections. Like okay, well, it looks like um, all these cleaning products have been doing well. So sometimes you have to make a, a jump or make a connection, and you think like someone who's really into clean and having like um, air purifiers, maybe that means that they're also into being really tidy. So like maybe we should start looking at organization products and maybe we should introduce some of those because maybe it's the same type of person. Ah, uh-huh, that's very interesting. Yeah. And meanwhile, you could have someone like me who has a bunch of air purifiers and cleaning products, but uh, they don't really care to be organized, but they just have really bad allergies and like, you know, maybe you need more allergy related products or something like that. That's got to be interesting, like trying to draw lines to like what the people want and not really knowing, or, you know, what other things they could use and not really knowing. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're trying to make, uh, trying to draw connections and sometimes it works and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Um, uh, but, uh, 
there's there's not really like an easy you know there's not really like an easy way to do it um and there's also really no line that you can really draw that you can say like well this plus this equals this so we should definitely do this you know especially when the products are all over the place you know uh, we don't really have like an aesthetic or like oh our customer definitely loves polka dots so like put polka dots on it they'll buy it yeah you know it's uh, it's a little bit more of like a philosophical approach to finding items you know like okay well our customer they like this which is like cooks things um 10 times faster than anything else and they like this so maybe they want time-saving products so what else can we do that's time-saving um and also it's like maybe you're looking at this product and you realize that they really don't care that it cooks things 10 times faster they just want it because it does this other thing so maybe you've, you're like playing up the wrong the wrong function but you just have to kind of you know make stabs at it and try to use uh try to use your brain and analyze why and why and why and why um so that you can find the right product mix yeah so let's talk about some of these awesome products so out of your history of working for hamacher schlemmer what are the five strangest products that you have ever seen and did any of these actually make it into the catalog all right. I would say I'm actually going to go with top five items that have been in the catalog <laughs> just because we've seen so much crazy stuff. You know, awesome. we'll get um, we'll get people that will call and they'll say, like, ma'am, I have the greatest invention of all time. Uh, and we're always like, OK, uh, bold claim. You've seen the wheel, I'm sure. Uh, it'll be like a paper towel holder. So um, as far as like top five crazy items that we've been pitched, it's sort of all over the place. But um, as far as like top five craziest items that have been uh, in the catalog, uh, we've done a ton of like crazy golf carts, including a Batmobile golf cart that has like blacked out windows and like flames that are being thrown out the back when you get up to your, you know, love that (laughs) uh, high speeds of like 10 miles per hour. Just like burning up the fairway. Yeah, pretty much. And then sort of in the same vein, we did uh, a hovercraft golf cart. So it is, pretty much the least practical most <laughs> ridiculous thing uh that i've seen on well on a golf course but it's pretty good um the second one is the aquatic pod suite so this is probably the item from hamaker that i have referenced the most so when people say i mean their hamaker is known for sort of weird oddball items uh, so people have asked before like what and what is your favorite item from hamaker and i always say like google hamaker aquatic pod suite and it's basically like um your own personal floating island that will be dropped off i think the copy says like in your favorite lagoon Uh, and then it has like docking stations for jet skis it has like full surround sound full kitchen there's like comes with a bed it is pretty ridiculous wait what so they will deliver this like anywhere (laughs) in the world for you yes as like white glove service. I mean, you pay a premium for, uh, for shipping, but I think a couple of years ago, it's called the aquatic pod suite. It, it, it looks literally looks like a waterlogged UFO. It is, it's, it's insane. It has like 360 degree views above water and then there's windows below water. So you have like a submarine views. So this is like for people that own their own islands and stuff. Own their own Island. I think it, in the copy, they say like, I think it word for word verbatim says like, drop it off in your favorite lagoon. That's so great, man. I can't wait till I own my own lagoon one day. Yeah. Right. Um, Or that like to even be able to say that this lagoon's my favorite, you know, like, 
Like, how many lagoons do you have to go to that you're like, this is definitely my favorite lagoon. And, like, that's yeah. a good spot to be in in life when you can say that this is my favorite right? lagoon. Like, everyone talks about the Blue Lagoon. Screw the Blue Lagoon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's really the best lagoon. Is this, yeah, whatever. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, probably number three, seven-person tricycle because <laughs> I think, like, who else has, like, six other people that they want to ride a tricycle with? Um, this year at Christmas, we're selling a full on wild West town, like complete with livestock. And there's like a a ghost town. It is. Wait, wait, wait. You mean like a, a a miniature town that sits on a table or you mean like you're selling a town like acres, like $6 million. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Yeah. It's like a wild West amusement park, but you're buying everything. And it's, I think it, I want to say that this thing has been like in a working order for like over 60 years. How do you guys land something like that? And why, I guess, do you land something like that? But Uh, like, who who calls you up and is like, hey, I'm a realtor and I got this property. Um, That one is actually a funny story. I was at the National Restaurant Show just looking for, I'm the food buyer. So I was looking for um, interesting food that like you can't find anywhere, maybe like some crazy kitchen item that's only available to people who have restaurants. And I started chatting with this guy who had a whole bunch of like, um, like deli meat slicers, like antique deli meat slicers, just because they look cool, you know, as like, as sculptures, they look cool. So I was chatting with him cause I'm very nosy and he's like, Oh, Hamaker, do you guys ever sell real estate? And then I said, no, we, we don't sell real estate. Um, but what do you have? Just because uh, yeah, I'm nosy. And like, uh, like I said, that you never know where a seed is planted. So um, I asked him, like, what do you have? And he started talking about this Wild West theme park. We're like, yeah, we, we definitely want it. So um, I gathered the information and then I passed it on to another buyer. And they're like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't usually do this, but like it is kooky enough that we kind of want to make it work. Yeah, for so, sure. It's one of those things like who goes to a restaurant show and finds a Wild West town. Oh, I don't know what we do. <laughs> yeah, God, I love it. Um, and then the other one, and this is like uh, another kind of favorite slash craziest item. We sold a mistletoe drone last year for Christmas. So it's like a remote control flying mistletoe, which I feel like you can totally imagine that kid from Goonies, you know, Data, who is like, yeah. oh, I'm at a holiday party and super awkward. <laughs> and like, oh, there's a lady that I like and like, uh uh-huh. I'm too scared to make make the move, so I'm just gonna super sneakily pull out my mistletoe drone. Or like, maybe you want to play Cupid for uh, two people that you know have been kind of crushing on each other. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of a weird, weird item. That... I love that you think of the kid from Goonies when you think of that <laughs> product. That is so. I think great. like, yeah, who else would be using that thing, right? Just him for sure. Yeah, yeah it's him. perfect. But that was yeah, that was another item that was just we developed it uh, proprietary. So we had it made. We were like the only ones that were selling it. Um, but it's like uh, what other company is going <laughs> is going to invest, you know, in like thirty five hundred mistletoe drones uh, besides Hammerker Schlemmer. Yeah, totally love it. So you mentioned that you have to do travel for this and you go and you uh, like find products and stuff like that. So when you travel, do you have like a specific schedule of things that you have to do when there's meetings and this and that? Or is it ever just like, hey, guys, like I'm going to go to Hungary for the next week and I'm just going to walk around and I'm just going to see what I see in Hungary. Yeah, I wish it was uh, 
that laid back, but um, it's it's a mix of things. So um, also it depends on your categories. The categories I buy for Hamak are mostly our furniture, luggage, clocks, uh, romance, which is um, romance actually gives me a, a like a big leeway. That's just romance is items with stories. So sort of like Jay Peterman, the Mongolian yak herders boots or like go find a Tibetan singing bowl or, you know, um, a lot of it depends on your categories. So um, my category actually lends itself to travel. I've been on I think five continents this year alone. Um, each of those trips is different. So it's a mix of trade shows. You know, um, I'm going to Shanghai on Monday uh, and then a whole bunch of places in Asia where there will be, you know, go look at every single booth, like lift up every piece of furniture, lift up every piece of luggage, see if it's something that's interesting for us. So it's a mix of that. And then visiting factories. So a lot of items we have made specifically for Hamaker. You know, we'll see something that's cool. We want to add this to it and add that. So we'll go and check uh, check in with the factory and see how the prog- progress is coming. It's a lot easier to uh, change the quality of something or like change the packaging on something when you get there. So, um, or before it comes to you. So we do that at the factory level. Um, then there's meetings, there's market shopping, uh, which means like going to other stores and, um, seeing what they sell. So things that they don't like things that no one is importing to the U S we will go through and see if we can find something that would be interesting to our customer, you know, try to get information off the label, try to contact that person and then bring it back. And then there is some fact finding. So, um, we want to find something that no one else has. Uh, and Hamaker is one of the few places that they're willing to put money into, you know, lifting stones to see what's underneath them, I guess. Um, so, I would say maybe like once a year, uh, I have a trip to Europe where it is like, I mean, it's, it's pretty strenuous, you know, and I'm like clocking in like 40 to, I think one day I clocked in 50,000 steps in a single day. And it's like, okay, in the morning we're going to this British boarding school uniform store to look to see if there's anything that our customer would like. We know they like British items, so maybe there's something there. And then, um, then later we're going here, we're going there. But a lot of that is like, I'll do research and I find like this company that has been making British barrister wigs. So those big powdered white wigs since like the 1700s. That's and a I'm good like, look. Oh, yeah, I think, I think our customer would like that. At least they would think it's funny, you know, like maybe they have it on display in their office or maybe they're just having a party and they want to, <laughs> they kind of want to wear it as a gag or maybe their grandfather was a judge and this is like, you know, a little nod to him. So yeah, it's like a mix of, um, it's a mix of those meetings and trade shows. And then it's stuff like, I'm going to make a list. Um, this is what I think I can get done. I get the list approved by management. So I'll say like, Hey, I want to go to Harrods. I want to go to Fordham Mason. I want to go to these special British stores, uh, and find items that, are not being imported. So that is like sort of an easy thing for them to understand. And then, um, but it's sort of loose, you know, like there's not like, I'm going to get eight items from this and I'm going to get 10 items from that. It was just like, this is my intention. Um, that's what I'm planning to do. And then I'll make appointments too. So, you know, I find this wig store, we're going to make an appointment, try to get a contract (laughs) from these people, see if they're willing to work with us. You know, a lot of the time, uh, you send an email, um, to someone and they're like, eh, I don't know. They just like, it's easy to push things off or forward it to someone else and you get stuck in a black hole. But when there's a person knocking at your door and they're like, Hey, 
<laughs> they want to talk to us about something. Um, they're asking about this and like, you know, we can bring the catalog and we say like, Hey, we've sold things to the queen of England. We've sold things to Alfred Hitchcock. We've sold things to the Beatles. Like this is who we are. Um, th- these are our partnerships. These are things that we can do. You know, it's a little yeah, bit more. And we're serious. And, we really do yeah. want to work with you. Yeah. Like we're willing to spend the money to come here to, to do this. So there's a little bit of that. Um, I was in Marrakesh a couple of weeks ago and mostly to look for leather goods. But then, you know, while you're there, um, you're doing yourself a disservice if you go to just one, you know, okay, I'm here for the leather goods and then, um, go back to the hotel and call it a day. So, um, I try to make each of those trips and each of those times, uh, as potent as possible. So you just talk to people and talk to people. And next thing you know, it, we're like talking to, uh, these nomads who wear special headscarves when they go into the Sahara desert and they're made with this fabric and uh, with this dye that doesn't absorb sunlight and heat and, we're trying to figure out, like, maybe is that an interesting item for a summer scarf that we can, I don't know, we can sell in the catalog. Or we go to Harrods and we're, like, chatting with people, like, oh, so you sold things to the Queen of England, right? This, like, one guy who works in a chocolate shop that's inside of Harrods. And, you know, you sort of make friends with people a little bit or, you know, you talk to them like like a real human and you compliment them and say like i really like your work we we want to share this with other people but like we don't know like you sell 28 chocolates like which which are the chocolates that we should sell like what 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 is the queen of england order and they're like well the queen of england has um this on order all like every week prince charles loves this prince william loves this whatever and then we're like oh well that's interesting maybe we can sell the royal family's favorite set of chocolate and we have like um you know, you can't really, it's it's kind of difficult to do that, like via email or even a couple of phone calls. Totally. Um, but when you're there in person and you're talking to the people that um, are actually like packing up the order and they're like, to Buckingham Palace, um, you, get a, you get a lot more information that way. And that's so great that your schedule is open to have just kind of like serendipitous things happen as well. Yeah, yeah. I think if, you know, if they have sent, they, you know, they send us on these fact-finding missions or buying trips or whatever and if we came back and we're like yeah well i got a tattoo and i got this new sweater we didn't really find any products you know like <laughs> if that happened i think that uh it probably would be a short yeah. uh, probably a short experiment but when we come back and we're able to turn it into interesting products or like interesting ideas you know even if we came back with nothing but we're like hey we learned this and we learned that and now we can make this next decision or we can make this next trip even more uh, productive, you know, that's a benefit yeah, to us. Definitely. Um, so I have to know, do you mm-hmm. get a bunch of these products? Like, is your house just like super amazing? <laughs> just decked out with all the coolest stuff? Um, a lot of, so a lot of vendors will try to convince me like, you should use this product. You should have this product. And I like try to keep it as like, um, strictly business as possible. Um, but they'll say, I'll say like, I don't know. I don't know if that's really for us. And some, I mean, I've had vendors that will say like, this is for you. This is for you personally. And I know that if you use this product, the more you use it, the more you're going to love it. And you're going to want to put it in the catalog. And, you know, I'll try to discourage people a little bit of that, uh, from a little bit of that. And, um, and sometimes I actually end up moving forward. I'll say, okay, fine, send it to me. And it's funny. A lot of the time it's actually true. Like 
once you start using things, you're like, oh, whoa, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Like the this luggage or whatever, like it's actually way more interesting than like the image and like the little write up that the vendor has done for me. Like the more you get to intimately know a product, uh, the more creative you get with like how you present it. So, um, so certainly there's like a little bit of that, you know, I do get some of the products, but, um, when it comes down to it, I'm pretty much like, I'm a really serious foster parent. So like I use a lot of the products, um, so that I get to know them. But a lot of time I end up bringing them back to the office and giving them to someone else or putting them in our like big archives of products just because, you know, having too much stuff sometimes, um, it can be stressful. So yeah. it's like, I get to play with it. I'm like, you know, get my fix at work. And then when I get home, it's a little bit different, but, um, it certainly is like, makes my standard for products i think a lot higher so i have some items that i really really uh like at home um and especially luggage uh because i'm the luggage buyer like i have a couple of friends that i've traveled with pretty consistently and they're just like well we can't keep up like new carry-on luggage all the time you know and i'm like using it just a couple of times so that i get to know the product but um certain things you know you get attached to them and you end up like you end up keeping them i guess yeah that's so cool but, that's awesome it also, I, I have to say, like um, around Christmas time, it does make uh, does make things a lot easier because you are like, okay, all day long you're like looking at products, and then when you see someone, you're like, oh my god, I know this person is gonna love this, so I've got like the my finger on the pulse with gift giving. That's that's for sure. That's awesome. Um, so Sarah, let's go ahead and wind this thing down. What are your like top five or so favorite products that you have ever featured in the catalog? Gosh, I think. Um, sometimes it's hard to separate like your favorite items because, you know, they're personally your favorite or like it's your favorite because someone's like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to work. And then it does. So then all of a sudden it becomes sort of like, uh, even more your favorite. Yeah. It's like emotionally meaningful to you. Yeah. Because you're, it's sort of like a booyah type item. Um, (laughs) (laughs) stupid, but, um, okay. So I would say tabletop fireplace. Um, so this is like an indoor outdoor fireplace and um, it's real flame. So it's not like the cheesy electronic flame, but it has uh, no smoke and no smell. So you can use it without, without vents. Um, I That's like it awesome. Because, yeah. I don't have a fireplace inside my own apartment. So, um, and I think like every, I don't know, good American or like every human, there's sort of this like fascination with fire. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of a safe way to do that. Uh, the second one is not exactly the sexiest item, but it is the Argentinian leather organizing bag. Um, so this Ooh, is just like organizing <laughs> bag. I, I, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's not sexy, but, uh, I've like taken it on trips with me and it is one like the, it's maybe not the world's softest leather, but it feels like super luxurious. Um, and then it has like pockets for everything, but it is like, yeah, pretty basic item, but I like love it to death. And it is like my personal, personal use item that I really like. Uh, this, the third one, this is probably another not so sexy item, but it's like, uh, it's a lazy Susan table. Um, so (laughs) I've been to like, I saw an image of something that I really wanted and I've been to probably like five different countries looking for it. And pretty much everyone was like, yeah, that can't really be done. It's going to cost you like 
$6,000 to do. Uh, it's just like a really beautiful outdoor deck table uh, that has like a sunburst pattern that uh, we were able to get a super good quality one made. And everyone was like, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. And then it was a super big hit for us. Um, so again, not so sexy, but it's super beautiful. I mean, it looks like a design piece. Um, Sarah, I just want to say <laughs> that I love like the extent to which you embody like full on old person <laughs> mode, which is great because you work for like the oldest company ever. But like the two of your of your like favorite three products ever are like an organizer and a lazy Susan. And earlier when we were talking about the strangest products you've ever seen, I mean, you, you right now could be saying things like the like lagoon thing for your own personal lagoon or like a, a, a golf cart that shoots out flames. But you're like, nah, I like the organizer, like the organizing I know, honestly, suitcase. Like, I don't like people laugh about it because I think a lot of the way that people know Hallmarker, they're like, oh, it's so novelty. It's so crazy. And there's actually some, I don't know, some pretty like solid everyday items that people don't necessarily like necessarily think about Hallmarker as like everyday, you know, good items. But I don't know. I still, I sort of have like an affinity there. I, I sort of have an affinity to them. I mean, there's like a, definitely more subtle items in the catalog, but yeah. uh, like once you get them, you know, you sort of learn to love them in a, in a different way. The novelty, it like, uh, it grows on you as opposed to like wearing off. So, uh, well, number four is <laughs> definitely has that factor. So the whirling dervish slipper, because, uh, where else are you going to find a whirling dervish slipper? Besides Hamaker Schlemmer. <laughs> what is so, that exactly? So do you know uh, Whirling Dervish? Yeah. What, it's yeah. just like a slipper that makes you look like one? No. So the Whirling Dervish, you know, they're like um, people that it's like a sect that they feel like, you know, they can find sort of enlightenment or, uh, you know, a sense of meditation by spinning around. So we have slippers that are made um, that the Whirling Dervish folks i guess they wear and it's like a super soft uh leather slipper and like the inside is lined but i i don't want to say that it's a replica but it's a genuine whirling dervish slipper it's just like super soft house shoe uh that's like soft on the bottom so you can you know spin until your heart's content yeah you can sort of like slide through your kitchen like tom cruise uh but yeah i think it's super good item um just because it's super unique and it's not one of those things that like you're flipping through the catalog and you're like, Oh, I never even knew that I wanted this, but I want it. And then once you get it, you're like, yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely want this. Or like, you know, everyone has slippers. Uh, so like maybe you're going cabin with like some friends over the weekend and everyone is checking out each other's house shoes. And you're like, Oh, you think you've got good slippers? Well, these, these are rolling dervish slippers. And I feel like, I don't know, that's some, uh, then you just start whirling it up, yeah. <laughs> All right, and then everyone's like, oh, "Give me, let me try those on." I don't know; they're sort of special. Yeah, that's interesting too about whirling dervishes. I never knew that they were doing that in a, in like a like meditative, a meditative enlightenment way. I, I, it would have to be like so funny to see like you know two thousand years ago like a a Zen Buddhist like come upon a whirling dervish person. Like they must have just be like what like what are you doing right now <laughs> like how is this helping you achieve enlightenment this is crazy you just look like, like you're partying zen buddhists are like the people there's like you do you you like you want to be like four different that's religions. very like, true too yeah cool yeah you want to be um like catholic and buddhist like that's cool like do you want to be jewish and buddhist that's cool too <laughs> like we're 
we're not going to judge you do you yeah any sort of self-actualized person would definitely not yeah. be like judging anyone else for what they're doing but uh yeah, right? i love that that's so cool I have, I have a friend who is super into meditation and once i heard her she was like i'm just gonna go watch like finish these two episodes of the jersey shore and then i'm gonna go meditate i was just like what wait what probably the first time anyone's and the last time anyone's ever said anyone's that. ever said that yeah. but like if you want to do that before you meditate you know who am i to judge right um, and then, uh, the next item that I'm super excited about, and this actually hasn't gone into the catalog, but, um, you know, because we're catalog, we're working so far ahead and sometimes it's hard to, you know, remember about the past because you get so excited about new stuff that's coming up. And, um, so I guess one of my favorite items hasn't even hit the catalogs yet, but, um, it's, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, it's just like a kind of a curated digital wall art and that i feel like that's sort of doing it a disservice um obviously the title is still in flux but um it is like a matted and framed piece of wall art that is uh connected to wi-fi so you can change it you're hooked up to like i think twenty thousand like great works of art from different museums and like underground artists uh that you can like basically change out the painting that's on your wall like via your cell phone. Um, so you can have like a Van Gogh or maybe like your wife hates the Van Gogh. So she wants to put up a uh, Jackson Pollock. She can basically, when you're not home, she can change it to Jackson Pollock. And then as soon as you get back home, you can change it back to your favorite Van Gogh. And you or just have maybe, like an art war. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. Or uh, it's like maybe the holidays and you're like, shoot, my parents are coming over. We should probably have that family photo that they sent to us up. Uh, so you like put up the, you know, family Christmas card photo and make them feel super good. And you said it's matte, so it doesn't look all like glossy and digital. Exactly. And then the other thing is that it has, uh, it has a dimmer on it. So like, let's say you want it in your bedroom and you don't have this like glowing, basically like wall art. Um, you can have it set to, uh, get dark i mean it's still like uh it's like still a digital screen but it looks super good they, i know they like the people that put it together they consulted with a whole bunch of uh, museum curators and archivists so that it looks as real as possible but the other the other cool thing about that is like um i mean right now i'm in shanghai so um let's say i want to uh show like the sort of badass image that's outside of my hotel room because I'm so high up in the air and I know my honey is at home and um, I know he's in the room with this wall art. I can take a photo and basically um, send it so that when he's in the room, I can change it. And all of a sudden he's like seeing the exact same scene that, that I'm seeing. So I think it's pretty awesome and I sort of can't wait to get one. Yeah. That's such a good house. use for it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so those are, probably top five faves cool yeah that's really cool that's awesome so sarah let's finish this thing up with sort of a, a piece of advice i guess you you hinted earlier that that there's not like a super direct like oh you do this then you do this and then you get a job like this but um is there is there something kind of like that like if you had to give advice because your job sounds so awesome just like in general being a buyer is there any sort of path towards getting a job like that any like advice looking back that you'd be like you know what like this would probably be the most reliable way to get a job like that so we all know that um there's not exactly a 
degree uh, in buying. So, I mean, there are a couple of different routes that you can go. Um, you can get a job at a retail store where maybe if you've already identified the the store that you want to work for, uh, you know, working at actually the brick and mortar store and learning about your customer, that's super valuable. And that is certainly a route or like uh, a toe into um a toe into becoming a buyer. Um, the other thing, there are assistant buyer roles. Um, so basically, you know, you help the buyer. It's a good way to get your feet wet and, uh, you know, figure out if you really like it. It also exposes you to basically everything that goes on, um, as a buyer. Um, I think, uh, after that, you know, even if you've done, even if you've done that, um, brushing up and your analytical skills. So, uh, you can come into buying. I mean, I came into buying from kind of an oddball, uh, way. I'm pretty much the only buyer that I know that came into corporate buying, uh, with a buyer title, but that's only because I had experience as a buyer, uh, at like a smaller retailer store. And then, um, I also had a super open-minded hiring agent. Uh, so, you know, getting a job at a smaller store that, you know, maybe someone that they think, oh, okay, you've got really good taste. Like, let's try this out. But beyond having good taste is really brushing up on your analytical skills. So, you know, there's lots of people with good taste out there. Um, buying a lot of that is not really about you. So um, it's really, really, really about your customer and reminding yourself that, you know, learning to sift through data is sort of the less sexy part of the job. So I feel like that is why it takes effort, but it gives you an added edge over any, you know, anyone that, you know, they're moving solely with their gut. Um, and then on top of that, I would say learning empathy, uh, Again, it's something that no one talks about in business, but reminding yourself over and over and over again that this is about your customer is um, is going to make you like far and above way more successful. You know, learning to be objective and you know taking a job with someone that maybe uh, they don't have the product mix that you really like, but this is your in. Uh, it really strengthens your skills and uh, helps you get to know your customer. Yeah, that's great advice because it makes me think of just ways that different people can probably talk about their own backgrounds to maybe highlight some of those things. You know, if let's say they wanted to get an assistant job or something like that, it's like, oh, I've done these analytical things or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, at least there can be some parallel, like you might not have done anything related to buying at all, but at least there can be some parallels drawn or like some strengths from your past that would apply. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, um, how, how you differentiate yourself from another candidate. They'll say like, uh, what makes you an exceptional candidate? Like, Oh, I've got really good taste. So that's not exactly qualifiable. And of course there's no one that's going to come in and say that they have bad taste. But if you're able to come in and say like, Hey, so I've worked for this company that is, uh, you know, not, not necessarily aligned with my own job skill, but I was able to be objective. I was able to sift through data and make smart choices. Uh, and they were successful or the people responded to it, you know, that is certainly um, more valuable to a hiring agent than just saying, oh, I've got really, really great taste. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Love it. I, I remember reading this thing about uh, bamboo, like the way a bamboo plant uh, grows. They say that like, if you plant a seed for bamboo, you have to water it and give it sunlight every single day for five years. And it does not sprout for the first five years. So even after two years, people are like, Hey, 
dude, I think it's time to give up. You've been watering and giving this thing sunlight for like two years and like literally nothing is happening. I think it's time to give up. And if you keep hammering at it and like you keep trying and you keep putting effort into it, um, you know, after five years, it sprouts. And then once bamboo sprouts, it is like the fastest growing plant. Like you cannot keep it under wraps. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same thing with finding finding your dream job, you know, is keep hammering at it. Dude, I love it. That's a great analogy. Sarah, thank you so much for the advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You have such an interesting job and such an interesting life. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. I am so flattered to be part of your project too, Blake. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you told a friend about it to help spread the word about the show. And if you've been listening to the show for a little while and been enjoying yourself, I would really appreciate it if you left a review on iTunes. That's a way that a lot of people learn about new podcasts. And the more reviews and the better reviews that a podcast gets, the more people that that podcast ends up in front of. So that would be a really awesome way to help the show. And if you're sitting there and thinking to yourself, yeah, that's all fine and good, Blake, but... uh what are you going to do to help me out? Well, how about being a guest on Half Hour Intern? That is right. You could totally be a guest on this show. So if you have been sitting there listening to this show and thinking to yourself, you know what? I do this totally awesome thing for a living. Or you know what? I have this awesome hobby that I'm really, really passionate about and I would love to tell people about it. Go to halfhourintern.com and click on the Submit Your Ideas link at the top of the page. And through there, there will be forms that you can fill out to get in touch with me about the possibility of coming on the show and being a guest yourself on the Half Hour Intern Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening.